space. Final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. And what you're about to listen to is a bit of a different episode. We recorded it as part of Squeefest, which was a 24-hour live stream podcasting event for charity hosted by our very own Dr. Squee, where we all got together and talked about the Voyager finale endgame. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, we're now going to welcome on uh, Captain Jim and Admiral Elliot. It's retrack oh. time. Well done on the interview with um, Una McCormack. I caught most of that. And, yeah, she's written some great Star Trek stuff as well as great Amazing. other stuff. But, um, yeah, and she was nice enough to answer a question I, I, I asked her, which is I remember reading that uh, Last Best Hope, the Picard novel, and it was so good and so well-researched and it tied in so well to the show that... I just couldn't get my head around it because, you know, even five years ago, ten years ago with Star Trek novels, you just knew that the writers were just locked in a box somewhere and had no access to anything <laughs> whatsoever. And yeah. it was like, yeah, yeah, just make up what you want. We're not bothered. But that one, it tied in so well to Picard that it, I'm just so envious of her getting sent these scripts. That must have been brilliant. And she's there writing a story and then they send her another one and go oh you know well actually you know you've written all this stuff about Hugh but um yeah he's gonna die so yeah it must be it must be quite weird when you're trying to write a novel and you're getting revised scripts every two minutes and you know how in the first draft of the script we said that Picard had lost a leg and you've written 200 pages about it well we've decided not yeah it grew back again <laughs> so yeah and the autobiography of Spock that's making waves on the internet at the minute i've read no end of stories this week saying um that uh, star trek has now made canon that picard knew about michael burnham and this is something that we talked about on the show so we said well spock uh, sarek mind melded with picard then picard mind melded with spock so picard must know about michael burnham and now una's put that in a novel and it's all there and oh, it's fantastic it's wonderful. Think, and also, uh, just for any uh, Trekkies obviously watching this section of the show, we have got uh, the amazing Ronald B. Moore, the yes. five-time Emmy Award-winning uh, special effects guru behind Star Trek, who's going to be uh, joining us later in the show. Which will be fantastic. And, yeah, I think Elliot's having some connection problems at the minute, but he's the guy to talk to about vfx really so elliot's really into his the star trek the models and we talk about the ships and everything a lot and ronald b moore will have i don't know how much amazing stuff to tell us about that so yeah, yeah it's gonna be really interesting i'm just checking dr squeeze sorry i think elliot has just sent us a message he's trying to fix it so shall we start with what we were going to do while we wait for him to join in yeah, please I, let's do it. I do apologise for my departure. Then I have been given the job of feeding Doctor Squee, <laughs> feeding oh, me and wrangling the dogs, hours. wrangling our dogs. I'm bringing food. Well, that looks all right. It's What's a that? Pizza. You got here? Yeah, pizza. It's a vegan pizza. 
Ah, oh, well, no point then, is there? You nearly said it. Really there, there you yeah. go, yeah, yeah. Too late, you said it was good. Popped in the gut. I was going to say, is it a margarita, oh, but what, what do you do for cheese? Uh, fake cheese, just vegan, vegan cheese. Oh, fake. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. We're not here to talk about my pizza. We're here to talk about Voyager's <laughs> yes, final sorry, mission. Sorry, anything to avoid talking about Voyager. No, I'm joking. Yeah, the reason that we wanted to deal with this episode specifically is because uh, I'm sure anybody who's following Star Trek at the minute will know that we're only weeks away now from the premiere of another brand new Star Trek series. Mm. And I just want to say, how great is it that there, there were so many years, nearly a decade, where we thought Star Trek was done and there was nothing and we got a couple of films and that was yeah. it. And then within the last five years, just about every year, we've been able to say there's a brand new Star Trek series starting this year. Well, and Oh, sorry. I was just going to say it's something they they hit the nail on the head of and on Star Trek Day, like the uh, the actually the era which uh, Ronald B. Moore was doing mm. effects from from uh, Next Gen to Enterprise was the golden mm. age of Star Trek, and now we have got a brand new golden age where uh, there's never been so much Star Trek in production at once. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's endless at the minute, and it's great. And the the new one is Prodigy. And we don't know a huge amount about Prodigy. You you came on the show, Dr. Screen, we were talking about the trailer and we were trying to piece together what we could see and work out what it's actually going to be about. And we know little bits, but one of the main things we know is it's set in the Delta Quadrant and it features a hologram version of Captain Janeway from Voyager. So we wanted to cover this final episode of Voyager, which is titled Endgame which obviously a lot of people now know Avengers Endgame, you know, the biggest film ever until Avatar took it over again, but then it, they'll probably re-release it again and them two are just going to go like that forever, aren't they? But um, but I, want, I looked this up today because just about every sci-fi show you watch has an episode called Endgame. There's an X-Files episode <laughs> called Endgame. There's obviously a Voyager episode called Endgame. Looked it up today, 143 TV shows have an episode called Endgame. So there you I, go. Probably not, but in my head, I want to think Sharknado's got one, like Endgame, but is it, or something like that. Oh, <laughs> probably it does. <laughs> I, just, I don't know why Sharknado come in my head when I was thinking of that, but there you go. <laughs> well, I mean, Sharknado, you probably should have just done one. But, and yeah, yeah, I find those that. eminently watchable, but that's another story. Yeah, true. We'll do a Sharknado podcast. They, they, they've made enough that we can get a couple of years out of that probably. <laughs> And there's but, some great cameos in those. Yeah, know. well, it was that thing, wasn't it? The first one sort of came out under the radar and people saw it and it was a B-movie and fine. And then I think it was people like Will Wheaton and other people on Geek and Sundry decided to do a tweet along when it was shown on the Sci-Fi channel. And then all of a sudden it blew up and everyone wanted to be in Sharknado yeah. too. It's the most incredible thing. But anyway, Voyager, Endgame, that's what we're yes. here to talk about. And that's the... The finale episode and i've got some interesting thoughts on this one me too okay we'll we'll get to that as we go through to to me this is absolutely it sums up voyager it's it's got the bog in there when they don't really need to be in there it's got loads of timey-wimey shenanigans it's a rip-off of other episodes it's good fun and it's a little bit doesn't quite live up to its potential, which is just Voyager in a nutshell. And 
and I mean that in an affectionate way. You know, it's it it's it's fine for it does. I think I think part of the problem was that you have the finale of Next Gen, which was all good things, which is a phenomenal piece of television. Amazing. And then you have the finale of Deep Space Nine, which was different, but it was doing the serialized thing. And it managed to make an ending to a serialized story that was spectacular, but paid off all the emotional acts. And, you know, again, just an incredible bit of TV. And then Voyager has its finale. And I don't think it reaches the heights of those two. Though I will say it's considerably better than the finale of Enterprise, but um, that's definitely a conversation for another time. Well, uh, like Nicola, I did, I've got some comments as well, but Nicola, what's your thing? Because Voyager was your your favourite. Yeah, yeah, Voyager is my favourite. Um, I, I, and, you know, I was really glad to find um, when we went to your birthday party, actually, we're having a conversation, one other person went, Voyage is my favourite, and I like, oh, I think I found my soulmate. I better tell you. Yeah. <laughs> but she was a nice-looking lady, so I was good with that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so I, I thought, like you did, James, it was kind of like one of those episodes where I just want to watch and I want to love it because it's Voyager, because I do love Voyager, but it kind of just goes along, doesn't it? It doesn't ah. send you on any real journey other than just a nice sort of like um reminiscence of what could have been or what is or that sort of thing i mean my thing was all the elements were sort of there but it was the way they did it like for me what really where it really heats up and it really gets exciting is when you've got um homer said janeway and janeway action but you've got older <laughs> and younger janeway yeah. mm -hmm. and they're kind of communicating with each other you could have this really great shock opener a bit like the beginning of all good things where you've got Picard who has just come back from jumping in time and he's chill shocked and it's like I'm jumping through time and that's the opener mm. and you could have had just uh, Janeway from the future come through the wormhole seeing her there that big shock at the beginning and then you tell the stuff in the future because as it is you sort of even though they're the same characters you're seeing them in the future but that's not where you're going to follow them so it kind of like spits something in nothing I love I love the stuff with Tuvok and the way that he plays that but yes I kind of wanted to concentrate on the crew we're following, which is them in the mm. present, as it were. Yeah, it's a very strangely structured episode. And I think one of the things with this is like when we were coming up to the TNG finale, we had no real expectations of it. It was just, it's going to be the last episode of TNG, but we didn't really know what that looked like, what it meant. DS9, we knew that it had to wrap up the Dominion War, but beyond that, we didn't know a lot. Whereas Voyager has a clear end goal in sight, which is they've got to get the crew back home. We know that that's got to happen in this episode. And I feel like maybe they've been a little bit too clever for their own good, because instead of just telling us that story, they do it in this weirdly framed time travel thing. And it's almost sort of... Um, Apologies to anyone who's not uh, listening in in England who's not familiar with Roy Walker in the game show Catch Fate. I'm, I'm talking about the wrong game show. The Jim Bowen Bullseye. When you say, here's what you could have won. <laughs> they not given the prize. <clears throat> and it's kind of like that because we start with this amazing, beautiful-looking sequence. Ask Ronald B. Moore about it when he's on. I don't, he might have had a hand in it. 
and where it's got Voyager flying past the Golden Gate Bridge and there's all the fireworks and everything. Yes. That's what you've probably imagined for how Voyager's going to get home and we're going to get to see it. And then suddenly we pull back and it's on a TV screen and that was 10 years ago and no, you're not going to get to see it. And it, yeah. it wrong-foots you from the off and it's it's mm. an interesting hook for an episode, but ultimately we don't get a payoff to that. At the end, it just finishes. They literally step one foot in the Alpha Quadrant and that's your lot. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, I wouldn't mind a scene there. I, I think though as well, I mean, I spent a lot of it, like you say, I spent a lot of it questioning what I would do because obviously a lot of it was questioning, wasn't it? What, what mm. ending would it be? And I spent most of the episode going, oh yeah, I would do that. Oh no, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so I did spend a lot of time thinking that all the way through. Yeah, I mean, I would love to have seen it so that you get, uh, as I say, like, you know, there was a scene which sort of got brushed past almost where you've got Janeway of the future and Janeway of the past, like on their respective voyages fighting or like the shuttlecraft and Voyager mm. fighting a, a battle on the same side, two, two sides of their wormhole. What an mm. amazing little scene which just sort of got brushed over. That would have been a wonderful scene to play more into. And yeah. again, you can have that big shock, shock opening of like her just coming through the wormhole. Then you, reverse time you show things a bit out of order you play around with it and like for every time admiral janeway sees uh one of the crew she can have a memory of seeing them in her time mm. and yeah what they told them whether or not she should do this this thing or not yeah that would have been an interesting take on it if we gradually got filled in the reasons why she decided to come back and do this and mm. i do like in a way though that because we did a, a whole season on on time travel in the build-up to um, Discovery Season 3. So we've looked at a lot of Star Trek time travel episodes. And I think this is the only one, really, where a character just says, you know what, I'm going to change the timeline because I want to. Rather than somebody's broken it and I have to fix it, this is just Janeway saying... Yep, I'm I'm gonna do it because I don't quite like the way it turned out. And what baffles me is how easily everyone else in the future goes along with it. Like Janeway has her reasons, and you know, she says, Well, seven of nine died, and that had a knock-on effect on Chicote, and Chicote died, and you know, Tuvok's got this disease and blah blah blah. So you can see why she's got the her reasoning for doing it. But ultimately it's just because i don't like how it turned out and then you get all these other characters such as belana and tom's daughter saying yeah i don't mind you erasing my entire life just because you yeah. don't like the way it turned out <laughs> yeah <laughs> there is sorry that. about that guys <laughs> I, I think you're right it, it would have been great to have some element where time was put off course like it was never meant to be like this mm. at the critical moment the Borg Queen somehow got knowledge from the future. That would have been a great little ad, I agree. Uh, just very quickly. Yeah, something like welcome, that. Before we welcome Admiral uh, Elliot back to the screen, <laughs> um, Thomas Beckett's pointing out a very good point. We're only £50 missing the target of £500. You can go to www.drscreed.com right now, donate and help some dogs in need uh, find their forever homes here. And we've got what? Just, just shy of. 19 hours to go and you've nearly hit the target yeah that's the thing look i mean i 
I am not being uh, like I'm astounded by how much we got in advance, and I understand <laughs> that might be mean some people donate in advance, so they're not donating now. Of course, well, that's, uh, wonderful. But come on, we can meet the target. We can do this. I'm being honest with you. I'm imagining, you know, in that film Bohemian Rhapsody where Queen come on at Live Aid, and all of a sudden the phones start ringing. Up. <laughs> Okay. I'm imagining now that Elliot's come onto the screen, <laughs> yeah. that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Unity so. doesn't sing. That will that will have the opposite effect. I believe. Keep those. I, I promise I won't sing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep me and Elliot from singing. Donate now. We can't <laughs> it doesn't have to be big money. It can be a couple of pounds. It doesn't have. You know, whatever, whatever you can got. afford, if you can. Absolutely, afford. especially just. If I may, just in regards to the dog thing, a lot of us have read and have seen there was a huge surge in people buying dogs at the start wow. of the lockdowns and things like that. And for whatever reason, I'm not here to judge anyone. They found that they're not able or whatever you think. Yep. So the adoption places are really struggling at the minute. There's there's a huge influx. There's so many beautiful animals that, as I say, for whatever reason, couldn't be kept. And that's fine. But you know, whatever work these people are doing is incredible, especially given the the year or so that we've had. So if you can donate, please do. And yeah, so that that's my plea for dogs anyway. I'm a big <laughs> dog fan. <laughs> so talking about this future then that Janeway really isn't happy with. Um it, well, where are you up to? We're just, just talking generally. We're, we're talking about the future. Janeway's decided to change it. She's not happy. Yeah. Um, I wonder if Ensign Morale isn't very happy about it either. Which one's Ensign Morale? I think it's pronounced Morale. M-I-R-A-L. And that's uh, Tom and Bolana's daughter. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, and I think this actually shows up a bit of the sickness of Janeway. Because, like, if you do the maths on this... Um, Morale was about 16, 17 when they've got back to the Alpha Quadrant, when they've got home. And I'm going to assume that all the time growing up on Voyager, she can uh, strip a warp engine blindfold, <laughs> she can fly through the eye of a needle, that she's going to be really advanced compared to normal cadets, but she'll go join the Academy. She's maybe left it a year, so she's not joined till 17. She'll fly through... Finished by 2021. And then seven years after that, she's still an ensign. This is Janeway. <laughs> she just made, she wants someone to be an ensign for seven years. Oh. That's true, because we see that in this 10 years, Harry has got to the rank yeah. of captain. Yeah, as soon as he got away from Janeway, that's it. So are you saying she's so bitter about Harry Kim? I think I think it's just this uh, really, really nasty streak in her that she, <laughs> that she just keeps someone as an ensign. And she's using her power as an admiral to <laughs> Yeah, because it. it looks like um, she's got this ensign morale has been assigned to her because she's off doing jobs for her all over. And uh, jo Jonas uh, Kitty, as we know him, as just but yeah, poor Harry. And yeah, I mean, he was like up until then, it was a red shirt who died in Voyager. It was just Harry Kim would die in various ways and then come back. Like yep. he was yep. on a weekly basis on that show as well. Well, this episode, I was reading a little bit of trivia on it, and apparently, this is the seventh and final time we see Janeway die. 
in Voyager. But then there is that episode that's pretty much like that Tom Cruise film where he keeps dying over and over again. Well, so I, maybe I probably oh. come from that one episode. But um, they, they've got the uniforms. I like the continuity that it's the all good things uniforms and the that. same uniforms as in uh, The Visitor as well. So Yeah, from DS9. We're, I know it's just practically that we're reusing the uniforms, but it's nice that they've kept that future continuity throughout. And they've used it in future shows as well. And the one thing which I also want to give a nod to, which is wonderful, you'll notice when you're in Space Docks there, not only do you have uh, Frank the Spaceman, he's got some pals! That's it. They've probably gone out to rescue him, so he's been there for a hundred years just yeah. floating around. Yeah, I mean, he, he exists in all time. We all know he's immortal, but it's Absolutely. like it's the only time in the whole timeline he has mates. Yeah, and he's yeah. grabbed some hitchhikers along the way, Yeah, and they're all together. Oh, I just love it. Whole Frank community. Or maybe it's several Franks from throughout the, the timeline. <laughs> and I think something that's always tempting to do when we get these future episodes is you've got to look at how well did they predict how the actors were going to age, because... I've looked at this and we're more or less where we are now in terms of how much older these characters should be. Yeah. So I think Janeway, I don't think they did too bad. I think Kate Mulgrew, to be fair to her, looks a bit better than they've made her look. Yeah. Garrett Wong, they've done a major disservice. That man doesn't have a streak of grey in his no. hair. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Robert McNeil has not gone bald. No. So I think they've just really badly estimated how these people are going to look when they get older. It's the same thing if you watch All Good Things. So like yeah. uh, Riker looks like he's melted and and yes. just like yeah, yeah. Not, uh, Picard looks ancient and he's actually aged really well. Well, this is the thing, and ironically, you've got Robert Picardo who they don't age because he's a hologram. Bob Picardo's pretty much not aged, you know, so he looks more or less how he does. Um, yes, yeah, so Dr. Joe, Dr. Joe, and you see, things like that are great. These are things we want to actually see happen for real. You know, we want to see what did the doctor decide to be called, what happened when they came back to the Alpha it Quadrant, and instead we get this tease of it, and then it's swiped away as no, that, that's not the way it really happened, and it's it's interestingly structured this first part because with some of the Trek two parters that were made, Robert Picardo is a hologram. Yeah, I would not be surprised one bit. With the Trek two parters like that that was shown as a movie, sometimes it's really hard to see where part one ends and part two starts. This one, it's really clear. Part one is all the future stuff right up until the two Janeways meet. And then part two is the bog. So this one really nicely splits into two halves, which... Don't we think, don't we think they did um, Suzanne Thomas a disservice here, that they didn't get her back for the bog queen for the last one? They asked her it was a scheduling thing. Was it? Because, yeah... Like, I think, I, like, it, it's nice seeing Alicia Craig again, but... Yeah, I always thought that what they'd done is gone... <laughs> a bit more money can we get Alice Krieger uh, but no apparently they, Susanna Thompson they asked wasn't available so they were like well we have got another although bringing Alicia Craig in sort of um, sums up that thing that the Borg Queen says at the end mm. about how 
about timing, it won't matter what you do here, that the Borg Queen always comes back, that they understand yeah. time differently. Yeah, it, and it's also, it's it's the most underplayed reveal of the Borg Queen. Like, obviously, we had the big entrance in First Contact where a, a, body, a head came down and attached to a body, and then... Yeah. That frontier tried to outdo it and had bits coming in from the stand, <laughs> like Iron Man. This one, it's just like, oh, there she is watching a monitor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah but they did it uh, in reverse in this one because in this one she loses her arm and then That's her leg and all that, so they've sort of done it backwards. You're thing, right, no yeah. Matter, no matter how big the entrance in uh, in First Contact I always thought uh, her performance as a ball queen was always wonderfully understated. She was saying all this sinister, really dark, really big stuff, but she delivered it really cold and dead. I felt the other ball queen maybe played it up a little bit, and I prefer that performance as just being so cold and yeah, dead. Yeah, I think so. I, I think, and you know, we've, we've hit this beat lots of times on the podcast, but you can't help it when you're talking about the ball game Voyager is... It, it, the Borg have become much hammy and much more overblown through repeated appearances in Voyager, and you kind of get in the culmination of that in this one as well as the the culmination of how much they've they've weakened them. Is it, it, it's kind of up in the air at the end of this episode. Like, have they killed all the Borg, or have they just killed just that bit? And or, or haven't they actually killed any of them because that Janeway hasn't existed now? Because timey-wimey, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, very, like, let's be honest here, like, we've, we did a lot of time travel episodes about, yeah. what, a, a year and a half ago? I don't know, time travel could have been yesterday. Yeah, it could have been yesterday. But, could be tomorrow. But, but Voyager has a habit with its time travel episodes that by the end of them, what happened didn't happen. I think yep. definitely the way this one's written, the idea, like, certainly what they're trying to tell you is that this sticks. Like, the this has crippled the Borg, at least if not destroyed them. Yeah. That, that transwarp conduit is yeah. dead. But, but like you say, it does leave it open, doesn't it? Because they only sort of mm. step foot. And this is only one of six transwarp air mm. hubs. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so it doesn't kill them, but it's it's crippled their ability to travel absolutely anywhere. I thought yeah. that was an idea. Unless, it's... like, say Janeway is now dead, and then it's just not even happened. But they, they certainly haven't said that. I'm just saying no. what they've... What yeah, it's, a, it's a funny pa paradox, because Admiral that Admiral Janeway never existed to have to go back to make sure they got back earlier. Yes, actually, you say this, but with the Calvin timeline and with the ongoing uh, story in Picard, that actually suggests that when you travel to the ultimate reality, which you've now created, both exist. You've just traveled from one to the other. That's now the history. That this, is it, and th this is the split that happened in the way Star Trek deals with time travel. My, my understanding of it, is there's basically two types of time travel. There's back to the future time travel, where there's one timeline and things change and the timeline adapts and blah, 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 and you can go back and change things and it fixes things, but it's always one timeline. And then there's the Avengers Endgame timeline where you can go back in time, you change something, it creates a splinter universe where everything's played out. And Star Trek always used to do the back to the future time travel mm -hmm. whereas with the advent of the kelvin timeline and so on and so forth he's moving into the avengers endgame approach to it which to be fair i think 
And to be fair, Kelvin Timeline came before the Avengers Endgame, so oh, yeah, it's yeah. more about Avengers Endgame. He's moving into Star Trek's way of dealing yeah. with time travel. <laughs> and, and I think we can all agree with this one. It's all Hugh's fault. It's all Hugh's fault. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you've got to feel a bit sorry for Hugh. Um, <laughs> Because that's the other thing, the Borg come back in Picard, so this is clearly not entirely permanent, but it do, it does leave a nice, it builds into a grandfather paradox, doesn't it? She's like, so if Janeway gets home, she doesn't become Admiral Janeway, so she can't go back to bring them home, so they don't get home, which means she becomes Admiral Janeway, so they do get <laughs> so then they don't get Yeah, home, yeah get it's home. a funny loop. It's, uh, yeah. Because this has all been, like you say, it's she's picked to do this, so it's all quite self-serving for her not having to feel all these things about the death of her, you know, of everyone she's with. But also, um, I forgot what I was going to say now. What say, What if this happens, they get back? And then what if worse things happen? Yeah. Well, exactly, she'd have to go and change. Yeah. Seven of nine. So she, then she well, well, oh, someone say, I don't well, like this one either. Actually, <laughs> having said that, the first series of Picard does suggest worse things happen to her. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if you read the, I think it's called Before Dishonor by Peter David, which was one of the books that follows Voyager's Return Home and blah, blah, blah. And I think in chapter one or two of that book, Admiral Janeway gets assimilated by the Borg Queen again and dies. So didn't work out too well, at least in the novels. But um, I think we'll probably get a better fate for Admiral Janeway now that Kate Mulgrew's back in the Star Trek loop. I'd be very surprised if we don't see live-action Janeway again. Um, so, the future then. Janeway doesn't like it, despite everyone else liking it. So she decides she's going to change it. Fair enough, we've just got to accept. She even says in this episode, you know, ah, oh, to hell with the temporal prime directive, which is Janeway's approach to every prime directive. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we get... Before, before we move on from the future bit, actually, I did say at the start of the episode, it's ripping off ideas from other things. It is trying to do an all good things. They've clearly looked at all good things and gone, ooh, that did that really well. Let's have a look at it. So you've got a senior crew member who's died, much the same way that Deanna's died in all good things. That's had a knock-on effect on their romantic partners in all good things. We see the effects it has on Riker and on Worf. Yeah. In this, we... In this one, they've killed off Chakoti because Which, Seven died. Best thing you can do, really. Is <laughs> also, also, it, it's worth noting oh, oh. that you've also got the bait and switch of, like, they're not with the person you thought they'd end up with. They're with a new romantic interest, which has just been put in a couple of episodes previous. Yes, and, like, you know, Worf and Deanna are kind of bought it. But she could. Yeah, like to be to be fair with uh, to be fair with Worf and Deanna, there'd actually been quite a lot for several seasons. Yeah, it, so you could, and you'd seen them get close and stuff. But this Chicote and Seven thing just comes out of nowhere, and I they both do. The, I, I say they both do the best with it. I can believe Robert Beltran's attracted to Jerry Ryan. I find it harder to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he was very hunky in chips. Yeah, he wasn't a bad yeah. guy, was he? Yeah. I think it's more Chakotay's personality that I find it hard to believe. <laughs> my, my, like uh, maybe, maybe she wanted to find a spirit rabbit or whatever. Maybe, yeah. 
I mean, my, my headcanon here is you've got this thing with Seven saying, oh, Doctor, I want you to do this thing so I can experience the full gamut of emotions. I think the Doctor did that, and she went, whoa, I'm not dating Chakotay. What on earth is going on there? And that's what actually happened in this timeline. Yeah, yeah, in fact... Yeah, I, I can go with that. Yeah. Is that what happens? Is it? That's in your theory. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, she likes his native heritage. I should say, uh, Kitty is a Native American himself, so I'm not sure that is invested interest there, mind you. Maybe. I mean, he's also gay, so seven and nine's not well, so much a thing either. Maybe he's making a play for Jacote. Kitty is. is so he said, I'd love to have a chat with him about how he feels about the representation of Native oh. Americans, because we, we've talked about this no end of times that the. <laughs> The advisor that they had turned out to be a con man who knew absolutely nothing about it. <laughs> yeah. was just making it up as he went along. Yeah, so. so, yeah, if you want to let us know on the stream what um, how how you thought they did with Chakotay generally, because we can we can only speculate. But yeah, the numerous times that we feel like it's perhaps a a little bit insensitive at times and a little bit. Well, do you know the thing which uh, Kitty once told me? Uh, sorry, Jonas is known as Kitty for anyone who's just joining us. Um, the thing he once told me is that when he <laughs> saw the uh, representation of Indians on the Red Sox and they decided to replace that mascot with mm. something else, he was saying, yeah, it was an awful kind of stereotype. However, they're now replacing us with something which isn't even representing Indians at all. And I thought it was a really interesting way of looking at it. That is an interesting point, actually, yeah. Um, I'm always making up life as I go along. <laughs> I think that's a good philosophy, aren't we all? And, you um, tell us about Jacote, whether... Her... Yeah, yeah, Jacote. Yeah, Sod your philosophy, yeah. Kitty. Yeah, we want to know what's going on there. <laughs> we we want to know how accurate Jacote was. Yeah. And... I was thinking if he likes it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kitty, you have a crush on Jacote. That's yeah. what we want to know. <laughs> well, apparently this was a big thing in Voyager. That um, I read this in between season one and two. When they started season one, the producers expected that Robert Duncan McNeil would be the heartthrob and mm. that a lot of women watching would be very into Tom Paris. And, you know, you can see why they would make that assumption. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but apparently it turned out that Robert Beltran was the one that they got a lot of viewers writing in saying they were very fond of. And so if you watch the start of season two of Voyager, every other episode is a Chakotay episode because they realised that there was this massive fan base for, for and when I was young, when I was a younger, when I when I was younger, I was a Tom Paris girl. I was. See, there you so go. Yeah. yeah, you'd have been the original target audience, but um, yeah, apparently Robert Beltran did a bit more. So, Kitty, so, one second, saying I would have had more of a crush on Seven. Always known Kitty as a gay man. So, what? <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, most people probably had a crush on yeah, seven. Yeah, I mean, nine, regardless. seven was brought in, <laughs> so everyone had to have a crush on seven. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <He's> done <laughs> a job. And as regards the romance with Chakotay, I think seven in Picard is much happier. So she got over that phase, thankfully. Um, so, yeah, we get to part two then, which is pretty much let's have a big battle with the Borg, because... That's what Voyager does. And it, to me, it just almost feels like 
almost box ticking, like, this is what they're going to expect. They're going to expect us to do a Borg episode because we've always done Borg episodes. And I kind of feel like, did this need to be the Borg? It just feels a little bit a little bit shoehorned in for the sake of it to me. Yeah, I mean, there was the scene as well where they fight their way into this Borg cluster where, you know, Admiral Janeway reveals, like, blow it up, blow it up. And then Captain Janeway just goes... Like, it's been so difficult to get in as well. They're getting blasted. Even with the extra armor, oh, it's nearly giving out. They finally get through, and she goes, now I'm taking this out. And next thing you just see them out of it. It's like, yeah, that really difficult to get into. Don't you think they're going to shoot you on the way back out as well? Oh, no, no, no. The, the Borg, uh, like, um, so, like, like, you have border control and things. It's like, if you go through passports, or, you know, back in the day when we were allowed to have holidays. Remember holidays? Oh, yeah. And no, quite <laughs> <laughs> often choose for Europe, but that's another issue. Quite often you'll find, particularly in America, I found this passport control going in. You're there for an hour, oh, and then thing. going out, they're just like, "Yep, get out, go on, go on." We're not bothered. Yeah. <laughs> like, with bald pubs, like. Just to back that up, when I went to America, you're doing fingerprints. Oh yeah, facial recognition. There's a guy at the side of you while you're doing all this. Going, why are you here? What are you going to yep. do? How? Where are you staying? How long are you going to be? Here? And you're like this guy. Um, where do I put my thing? Well, and like you said, they just like you say. When I went out, it was like get on the plane. See ya. Yeah. So what we're revealing here is actually because uh, I go to um, Pure Gym is the gym you remember of, and they've got these kind of airlocks. You have to type in a code. Oh yeah, so, yeah. yeah. One side shuts, the other side open, and it's the same way in and out. So you're saying Pure Gym has tighter security on the way out than the Borg? Yep, absolutely. Fair What's enough. great about them Pure Gym ones as well, it's like, can I have a four-digit passcode? No, I think we'll go with 16. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, you put one digit wrong. Oh, yeah, no, you're stuck in the thing. You can't get yeah, out of it. But, um, going through Borg space, they're like, oh, damn, I can't get the digit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst thing they get. <laughs> Denied. Denied. Oh, no, I've got one more chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't let you out if you if you get your code wrong the third time. Maybe that's what it's like with the Borg cubes. I don't know. Um, there is some great stuff with the two Janeways, though. Like, I love this thing of I've given up coffee, and it's like, what? Janeway's giving up coffee? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's, oh, maybe I should get back into coffee. and all. And Why did I ever give this up? Yeah. Mm. But like before, beforehand, when she's giving up coffee, isn't that weird? Where she's holding Captain Janeway's coffee just to sniff it before handing her it. Well, I suppose it's kind of if you've come off something and you're not you're not so keen on it. Like you know, when you go on a diet, <sighs> you might like sniff a chocolate bar if someone else mm. is eating one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's the sort of thing I would do. I mean, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to me, when I uh, first went vegan, like the smell of, of bacon was still really lovely. I would actually just sniff as I was going past people cooking it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That kind of all drops off. But to begin with, yeah, I was like, ah, <laughs> you're not going to eat any? No, no, that's murder. But <laughs> There was um, a teacher at, um, when, when I was at high school and she'd given up smoking for many years, but she, at break time, this was when they still had smoking rooms at schools, and she just used to go and shut herself in the smoking room to get passive if she'd had a really sort of stressful... <laughs> <laughs> so it's that kind of thing, I suppose. But, when, uh, when Elliot was at school, it was the, the pupils were allowed in the smoking room. <laughs> uh, 
Not far off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be uh, fair, the sixth formers could smoke in in the sixth form common room. Yeah, <laughs> Um, so, future Janeway talks round past Janeway pretty quickly. Like, past Janeway's like, I can't possibly know anything about the future. Well, I've got these swanky new shields and transphasic torpedoes. Oh, okay, go on then. <laughs> well, that's the first thing she does, scan my ship, look at the technology I brought you. Like, right, get on the upgrades, we'll have some of this. So, I think... Even though she doth protest a little bit throughout the episode, once you've upgraded the ship to that extent, you're pretty much committed to it, aren't you? You know, you, even if she hadn't have attacked this bog thing to get home, it's going to drastically change the balance of power in the Delta Quadrant. Her flying around with a ship that can annihilate the bog, you know. Had a well, going back well, she... to the bullseye thing, that these are the prizes. Yeah. You know, when the ship... <laughs> <laughs> and upgrade all shields, which yeah. will make your ship extra metal. But she's also changing... When, when she gets back with this new technology, she's changing the balance of power in the Alpha Quadrant. Oh, yeah, because they shouldn't have had that technology yeah. for another however many years, yeah. Even if they did said that they were going to, like, uh, oh, at the end of this, we will destroy this technology, still, the fact you know it exists... Is going to influence things. Oh, I don't know. Come on. You know, we, we, we'll probably just super classify it like they did with Discovery and it was never mentioned again. So, <laughs> you know maybe you've just got this museum that's got the Discovery in there with the the spar drive and it's got Voyager and it's transmitting <laughs> things that you're just not allowed in this museum ever. See, I like the bit, you know, with Joe the Doctor, if we can call him that now. Yeah. Um, where the bit where he's, what else did I do? What else amazing things yeah. do? Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's it's such yeah, a fun part yeah. of it. I love, I love it. the scene where they're talking about, you know, should we risk going in and destroying the hub and should we take the chance and all that? And I was watching this scene and something was bugging me. It was really distracting me. And I managed to work out what it was. And it was... Every single member of the cast in this briefing had a mug in the hand. And I'm thinking that's a really weird choice by the director to do this. And then it gets to the end and they all go, let's have a toast. And you're like, ah, that's why they all had <laughs> And screw that scene to high hell. This was the worst of sins they ever did with Harry Kim. And I'm not speaking about the, the wonderful actor. It's just, just the character. When he got given those shitty, cheesy lines mm -hmm. and... Yeah. Pardon for the swears, but slightly enough. Uh, and he starts going, um, you know, ha, ah, gentlemen, I've always pretty much been the one who wanted to get home, but to the journey, galley, we jizz and patting someone else on the back. It yeah. was the worst cheesy bullshit they ever Yeah. Did. Does he get a vote? Because he's not the one dying in three years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, in fact, if anything, he finally gets to progress in rank. Yeah, he's the one who should. <laughs> But, but future Harry... Like, like, to be fair, Harry probably doesn't want to rush back because he knows that if he doesn't, he's going to be made a captain. Yeah, that's true. He's like, oh, I'll, I'll yeah. probably have to serve longer under Janeway and I won't get to be the captain anyway. And there is... See, this is weird. I'd, I'd be interested to see what you guys thought. How they played the whole thing with Admiral Janeway and... It almost looks like she's betrayed them when she's talking to the Bog Queen. She's like, oh, well, actually, 
I don't know why I'm doing that voice for Jim. I can't do Kate Mulgrew's voice. <laughs> I'm from the real now, she. It's very distinctive. I can't do a Kate Mulgrew impression. Let's move on. Um, so she's like, well, actually, um, she's walking into a trap, and I don't care what young Janeway thinks, and I, I'm blah, 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 blah. At that moment, are you meant to think, oh, she's betrayed them, or are you meant to be in on it with her? Because you do see young Janeway give old Janeway the injection, which we later learn is a virus. So that yeah. I think I when you like, I think like all of us we've watched this a lot, but I think the first time you watch it, you think that old Janeway is betraying them. Yeah. Yeah. See, I never um, thought that. I never ever once went with that. That I never thought they were going to be betrayed. Yeah, because no point. It could go either way because you do yeah. see her injector with the thing, so they're clearly conspiring to do something, but we don't know quite what. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's. I'm not quite sure that beat hits the way they want it to hit, and I think the fact that we've got four of us here and we've all had slightly different takes on it is probably testament to the fact that it it, it didn't quite land the way they wanted it to but yeah i think i think you meant to think at, at first that she's actually betraying hmm. yeah. betraying them that she's sod blowing up the hub just get them home i don't care what i've got to do to do it yeah and it's it's interesting that they, they sort of feign this thing of, um, or, uh, you know, just take us home and I'll do a deal with the bog. And there we, oh, there we go. So Jonas is saying, never thought that Jane would betray him. So, yeah, another. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't think she was betraying the crew. She was just trying to, she was willing, she was willing to deal with the bog. So they got home. Yeah, she was kind of arbitrarily deciding for her younger self she was yeah i know you I, will make the wrong decision so i'm gonna make the i'm right. gonna make sure that you just go home yeah with the benefit yeah. of hindsight i will do this for you in, in which case though just go back to caretaker and stop her blowing up the acompa well i think <laughs> she's got this temporal uh ship that she could have done that yeah, in the well, first place go back to the Badlands before they chase Chakotay's ship and just put up, like, some... put up a few cones in front of the... the <laughs> <laughs> do not do not enter temporal yeah. anomalies. Don't go in there. <laughs> um, so, ultimately, the Bog Queen gets killed again and we, you know, obviously it doesn't stick. Well, because we're well the, Bog the Bog Queen even says, doesn't she, that this will not have happened? Yeah. And is, is the implication, we've talked about how it came about because of the casting, but the fact that we're using Alice Krieger again, is the implication there that this is the same Borg Queen that we met in First Contact? I think it is. That's what I was saying earlier. I think it, it has that little bit of thing that so she whatever you do, the Borg Queen is going to come back. She, yeah. they, they have... They have uh, they can alter time themselves. And... Well, yeah, we know from Picard that they've got this fancy escape room with a super-duper transporter, but they must also have a super-duper timey-wimey transporter as well, because that's the well, only yeah. way she can have died at Wolf 359, died in first contact and died again here. So. Well, maybe maybe at some point they've assimilated one of the uh, 
Tardis since that we saw in Enterprise. Could have been, because, yeah, we never we never got an adequate follow-up on the mysterious vessel that's bigger on the inside and can travel through time. <laughs> <laughs> that totally original idea. <laughs> so, the, the end bit then, and, uh, you know, obviously, as you said, Elliot, we've all seen this a few times. What exactly happens? Because we've got... I think, right, I think what's happened is the Borg Sphere is chasing them. Yes. Uh, and Janeway uh, has realised that they can't get away. Mm -hmm. Shields are failing. And she's allowed the Borg Sphere to assimilate Voyager. Right. To swallow it. So, right. they're, in, so they're inside the Borg Sphere. I know they're when, inside it. When they well, entered the Alpha Quadrant, and then they fired the super-duper torpedoes that... But as they're flying through, they say there's only one aperture left, and it goes to the Delta Quadrant, and they go, we're going to have to take it. So I thought... No, that's, that's to turn away... That, that was to escape the Borg Sphere. Right. Was to turn off. Ah, okay. There's only one turn off, but that'd take us back to the Delta Quadrant. So instead... So instead to stay on the route that they're on, Right, the but the but the turn round and the and the actually enter the bog sphere. Right, okay. You so see, nice the thing that... to me I would like to have seen is a bit more of a build up on how the Borg Queen dies. So as she's mm. communicating with that last Borg sphere, which is, is she's kept communication with, lovely little plot twist. That's absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. <coughs> a bit more wrath of Khan to it. It's like uh, ha ha from hate. I stab well, the. I send this. No, if you, if you actually notice, when the Borg Queen is is on the laid out on the on the floor, and she's lost her leg and she's lost her arm, and she's looks like she's dying, a smile appears on her face uh, because she know, and I think that is where she knows that she is coming back. That this doesn't what is happening here doesn't matter. He's like, I'm coming back, but I'll be played by another actress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's a cool effect. Well, well, we well, when, well when they assimilated the TARDIS from Enterprise, maybe the, she learned how to regenerate. Maybe so. That's, <laughs> if only we'd have been on before Una McCormack, we could have we could have asked her about, it and she could have. <laughs> I mean, how how the, the the Cybermen can apparently regenerate now? So, if well, Cybermen can do oh. moment, like now that good to like, like have her limbs come back. And do you think that it was a really? Do you think the ending suited it, where they just sort of win the convoy heading to Earth? No, when it ended, I, or do you think there should have been more where we actually saw them? I I've been thinking about this, and I think um. I'm in two minds because the series was all about the journey back to Earth. Yeah. So in a way, it makes sense where it, how it ended. But I'd have liked to have actually seen another episode. I, no, I don't need another episode. I just want another scene. I want one scene where they land on Earth, like they transport down, and they're greeted by the family. You have some stirring music, and then you pan out. You've got Voyager up yeah. there next to all the Yeah, it, it needed it needed something, didn't it, of them? It needed. I mean, I, I love the fact that, Elliot, you have such love for the ships, and the way you talk about them is amazing. 
but you need added to that that human element. I don't want to end on just a ship. I want to. No, I, I agree. I agree with you. I think yeah. it, it almost needs. It needs more than just one scene of them landing on Earth. It yeah. almost needs a whole episode of them. And we still, uh, still don't get Tom reconciling with his dad. No. We've had so many times they could have talked to each other. And, and, he, and he doesn't talk to him here. And he doesn't even, and he, like, he could have gone, Dad, sorry, I've got to go. Your granddaughter's been born now. Yeah. That would <laughs> Can we just let Nicola jump yeah, in? Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I don't agree that you need another episode. I quite like the idea that it ends and you make your own mind up of where it, it went that, or what happened. I think that's my in two minds on it, but I'd have liked to have seen them bits. Mm. I, I just think maybe, yeah, like you say, maybe even just one shot of like yeah. uh, Animal Paris on the view screen and like Tom there just tearing his eyes and go, yeah, got to go, Dad, your granddaughter's Yeah, yeah. Or, or, you know put him through to sick bay and it, here's your granddaughter. You know, something like that would have been nice. And I do yeah. like the that we oh, get oh. the last line oh, of the series mirrors the last line of the pilot in that she just says, set a course for home. Yeah. That's yeah. nice. I mean, maybe even like you, you go down to sick bay with um, Admiral Paris being piped in there. Like they get an emotional moment. Then it goes to the bridge and you've got Chakotay and uh, Janeway just walking off the bridge for one last time, just delivering some pithy line. as Like, shot on the like I'll be honest, as series go, the last scenes, it's not far off a gr one of those perfect last scenes. But yeah. It's a great last scene for a series. <laughs> but there's bits that... As a huge fan of it, I I'd like to see that little bit more. Part of the problem as well is that Voyager's done fake-outs of this so many times. Like, we've had episodes where they get home, but they don't get home, and episodes where it's the fake version of home, and even the start of this episode does a fake-out of it, and it's like, I want to see the real yeah, just for one minute. Just once. <laughs> That'd be nice, but... You know, it's, I think in a way it's a victim of how good Trek was in the 90s. As I say, we'd, we'd come off the high of all good things was great. What we leave behind was great. And for me, Voyager is the weakest of those three shows. And this is the weakest of those three finales, which is not to say I think it's bad. It, it's, it, just... it, it, it's the weakest of the three, but that doesn't mean it's weak. Oh. <laughs> For me, like, if you want to see bad finales, go watch the last episode of Enterprise. Actually, okay, don't go right, watch the last, last episode of Enterprise. Enterprise. I've got some arguments to make for that. I've right. Got some to well, we fest four. We'll come back. We'll talk about the last episode, of Enterprise, <laughs> which I think is a, a probably a good place to leave it. So I think if if we've got a, if we've got a minute or two left, if we finish with Endgame, I sent you a um, little video snippet. If oh, you got it, it up, it's going to be a ball to be fair. Oh, it yeah. doesn't matter then. We'll show it. We'll show it on on, on Retrek this yeah, week. We'll do it on yeah, yeah. Uh, wonderful scene. Like just to tease it out, uh, Elliot, tell tell the people about the. This well, scene. I've spoke about this scene, and I thought we'd let let it go out here with uh, Doctor Squee. One second, let's uh, probably get out. Um, hey. <laughs> like in the end of the show. So it's not that new window for the end of the show. That's I like it. Um, <laughs> you endo show show. I'm just trying to. F I can't find it. Uh, don't sorry, worry about it. We'll, don't um, worry about it. We'll show it on retrack and we'll put it on the Facebook page. And 
But it's, yeah. yeah, it's quite a, from what you were saying, Ellie, it's quite a rare VFX thing that you found. Yeah, I found um, the original uh, CGI test shots for the next generation. Before they'd even uh, come up with the Enterprise D, they were, before they decided on models, they actually experimented with CGI. So this is pre-Babylon 5 CGI. This is before Babylon 5. Like, they made the decision, and correctly so, not to go with CGI, to go with models, because the CGI wasn't ready. But it's just interesting that they actually looked at it back in very early 87. Absolutely. Well, and, got... I found, and I found the, like, 20-second clip of it. What time's Ronald B. Moore coming on, Squee? Oh, yeah, yeah, I was going to get onto this. So just very quickly, uh, please do donate at www.dogsquee.com. Uh, we're helping out <coughs> uh, find a new home here in the UK. And uh, we're now up to £460. Hey. We're already £40 away from our total we want to get to £500. Hopefully Amazing. we're going to slaughter that total. Thank you very much for everyone who's donated. Uh, either Help the puppies. Um as well as that, though, yes, Ronald Beemore is coming up at 10 o'clock uh, UK time. Please Google against your local time to look it up. Uh, and then tomorrow we've got the uh, guys coming back along with Ed Fortune to play Star Trek Top Trumps. Nicola's <laughs> going to be our host. She's going to give us different categories and we're going to have randomly assigned characters from Star Trek. And we've got to say why they're best in those categories that we've not seen before. And knowing Nicola, <laughs> they will be a bit fruity. So you know, <laughs> that's that's yeah. one o'clock tomorrow. That's <laughs> tomorrow at one o'clock. Um, so if it's fruity and you get seven of nine, you're gonna win out every time, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. If you get a ball, if you get a ball grickling, when you're going to have to do some dancing. I'll basically. tell you what, extra points if any of you come in a seven of nine outfit. <laughs> I can't even fit in my Kirk outfit. I tried for tonight. <laughs> and on the note of coming in a uh, seven of nine outfit, uh, thank you very much for joining us, uh, Jim. Over to you to wrap things up. Absolutely. Well, I was just going to say thank you very much for once again having us on Squeefest. It's always an yep. absolute pleasure, and you're doing and incredible job already the lineup's been amazing i've watched some great interviews so far i don't know how you're going to stay awake but you always manage it somehow so <laughs> yeah we will see uh i'm gonna get a good night's sleep but we'll see you tomorrow yeah, yeah, and we might be able to beat you at the game actually if you're heavily sleep deprived <laughs> so we'll give that no, a go. we've got a holistic buffet waiting for us uh if you'd like to do your sign off sir yeah, and everyone has listened. Thanks for trekking with us this time. We'll see you next time on the retrek. Thank you. Bye bye. Yes, take care.